Great. My name's uh, Tim. I'm one of the leaders here. And um, uh, we're going to just have a little kind of talk a bit before we have a chance to uh, take communion together. Uh, as we meet on a Sunday, uh, we love to worship. We love to have a chance to pray. But um, there's something about, about this book, the Bible, that we love. I, I, I love this book. I love the way that it speaks to me. I love the way it shows who God is like. I love the way that I can read about Jesus and all that he said and did. I love the way that sometimes I'll, I'll read it in the morning and it's just like before I've even had my breakfast, it's like it kind of it's filled me up because there's something about it that, that nourishes me and fills me. I'm not sure if when you come to the Bible, you feel the same. Because I know for some people, um, reading it as a document that was written, maybe kind of 3,000, some of it, my struggles with my hopes, with my dreams, what's it got to do and what's it got to, to teach me and to, to help me and to inform me? And so this month of, of June, we're going to look at a, a series called The Bible, Jesus and Me. Um, and what we want to try and do is to say, how, how does that, how does the Bible, um, how do we understand what was written in, particularly in the Old Testament, Actually, the Old Testament was the only Bible that Jesus read. If it was good enough for Jesus, then I'm sure it should be good enough for us. Actually, the Bible was the only book that, that Paul, the, the apostle, read. And so when he wrote that all scripture is there and it's useful uh, to, to teach us, it's useful to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness, what he meant was the Old Testament part of the Bible. And that's maybe some of the bits that we find the hardest uh, to understand. And why we've called this series The Bible, Jesus and Me is I think that Jesus is the key uh, to understanding some of those Old Testament uh, stories and prophecies and the Psalms. I don't know if you remember, uh, um, maybe Easter time, kind of where we read the passage about Jesus walking down the road of Emmaus with two friends. Um, and he, talks, he says this about, about the Old Testament, about Scripture. This is in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Um, it says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Later on, as he appears to the, his disciples, he says this, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be, fu- everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I mean, would it be fantastic sometimes as you read some of the Old Testament if, if Jesus could be there and open your mind so you could understand these slightly confusing, slightly violent, slightly kind of strange passages. What does it mean to, to me? And Jesus, with his friends, he took time and he went through the Old Testament and said, actually, when you read about this, it was me. When you read about this, it was about me. When you read about this, it was about me. Actually, when I've come, I've fulfilled not just the prophecies of the Old Testament, but the, the law, the hope, the story, the destiny. And so this um, month, we're going to look at uh, four different things. Um, We're going to look at Jesus and uh, the Exodus, how we understand that, Jesus and the high priest, uh, Jesus and the people of God. But uh, this Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus and the temple. So as you read through uh, the Old Testament, uh, there is um, this theme about there's a temple. Um, And the temple seems to be quite important to the people of God. And, and, And why should it be important to us? Well, I think... First of all, I think when we talk about a temple, it helps us to understand the nature of God, the Jewish God, the God that we follow, the God revealed in Jesus. Um, and the, the temple wasn't like um, other religions where they would have a holy place and they would put a, a shrine or an idol and people would go there to worship the idol. Actually, the temple was a place where the God who we believe is everywhere 
was somewhere. The God who is everywhere, the God who created the galaxies, the universe, created everything, actually created all of you, every person on this world, actually the God who's so huge and enormous, the God who's everywhere, you might think he could be unknowable. But he wanted to be known. And so the God who is everywhere chose to be somewhere. And the temple was the place where he chose specifically to be so that people could encounter him. In fact, some people think that even the Garden of Eden, if you kind of in, in Genesis, um, we see God creating the Garden of Eden. And some people think that the Garden of Eden was like a, a, a temple. There was this whole world that God created, this kind of vast wilderness. And in it, he put a garden. And in that garden, he put his image, male and female creating his image. And in that garden, God chose to, to walk and to be with them. The God who was everywhere was somewhere. So as we read through the story, obviously the God who walked with them in the Garden of Eden through uh, going their own way, through rebelling against God, uh, that relationship was fractured. And, and connecting with God, uh, the God who was everywhere, where, where are we going to meet with God? And there was times through the story where there were people like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob would have these encounters with God. But when Moses came along and brought the people out of Egypt, uh, God said, I want you to build a special place, a special place where my presence can be, where my glory can be, a place where when you're wondering where God is, actually you can come here to worship, you can come here to learn, you can come here and offer sacrifices to be forgiven. And you may know that that kind of as they first went through the desert, it was, it was a tent. Uh, there's a little image of what it may have looked like uh, here on the screen. Uh, a kind of a tent, and, and it had a tent that kind of had special design. It had a tent that, that had uh, kind of different areas, and, and it, right at the inside was what was called the Holy of Holies. And the God who was everywhere chose to dwell there. The God who was everywhere was somewhere. It said this in, in Exodus 40, as uh, kind of the, uh, how this tabernacle was going to be built uh, when it was finally finished it says this so Moses finished the work then the cloud covered the tent of meeting this tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle here was a geographical place where the God who was everywhere specifically was here and his presence was almost tangible. There was cloud, there was glory. People were in awe that the God had turned up and was dwelling amongst them. When uh, David became king and when they entered the promised land, uh, he felt that it was not right that um, he should have a palace when God still lived in this tent um, and he wanted to build a, 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 a temple that was, uh, again, a, a permanent building. And because of the war that he was involved with, uh, Solomon, uh, his son, built the temple instead. And, and again, the, the, this temple was, um, here's a little image of what it, again, what it, what it may have looked like. It would have been right, it would have been visible from the whole of the city. This place where people would come uh, to worship, to sacrifice. And again, there was this Holy of Holies, this place where God himself would choose to live. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, it says this, When the priest withdrew from the holy place, when they're dedicating the temple, again, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests couldn't perform their services because of the cloud. The glory of the Lord filled his temple. And Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. 
And again, as you read through the Old Testament, the temp- this place where the God who was the God of, not just the God of Israel, but the God of all the nations, where he specifically chose to dwell, actually the temple was a place when people followed God, they would rebuild it and they would kind of make sure that it was looked after. Actually, when they weren't following God, they disrespected it. And, and eventually, you know the story of how uh, people turn their back on God time and time again and rather than coming to encounter and be with God they went their own way and eventually an enemy army invaded and this temple was destroyed and for those who loved God it was absolutely mortifying it was devastating because the God who was everywhere who who dwelt here actually God no longer had anywhere to be with them with his people to be able to relate to them and them to relate to him and after 70 years, uh, again, people come back and, and they want to follow God genuinely wholeheartedly with the whole of their lives. And so those that, even though they were hundreds of miles away, when they heard that the temple, there's the possibility of the temple being rebuilt, they gave up everything. They traveled that journey, not knowing what they were going to encounter, but they knew they had to build, rebuild the temple of God. And they rebuild the temple, but this time in rebuilding the temple, we never hear that the glory of God descended we never hear although they built the outward structures we never really hear that the the presence of God who's everywhere really dwelt there and so as the old testament comes to an end there's this big question well what is God going to do with the temple what how is the the God who was everywhere when he was somewhere we knew where we would go we would go up to the house of the Lord we've no kind of how to pray and what to do but what what are we going to do now And this is where when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus himself, actually he perceives himself as being the new temple. The the image that we see in the Old Testament, actually as he talked to his friends on the road to Emmaus, maybe one of the things he said was, you know the Old Testament talked about a temple, the place where God who's everywhere is somewhere. Well now I'm fulfilling that because the God who is everywhere suddenly is somewhere in the person of Jesus. All the fullness of God that was, was there in, in Jesus. He, his body was like the temple of the, of the whole Godhead. It's interesting when he walks with his disciples past what was this kind of uh, temple that Herod had kind of re- rebuilt. It says this um, in John chapter 2. Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple. And he pointed to the physical temple. And I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replies, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to raise it in, four, in three days? But the temple he was speaking about was his body. Actually, his, his body was the place where the God who's everywhere specifically dwelt. John recording at the beginning of his gospel, how his understanding of having spent all those years with Jesus, he, he said, it's a bit like this. John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, tabernacled, templed himself amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That first temple that was filled with this kind of uh, this numinous glory of God that descended so they couldn't go into it. Now he's saying, I've seen Jesus. And somehow the glory of God in the Old Testament was remote and far away. And it was clouds and rumbling and thunder. Now we've, the word has become flesh. And he's tabernacled, he's templed, he, he's, he's dwelt among us. The God who is everywhere 
in the face of Jesus, we see as somewhere. Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Tabernacles, temples is present within us. And for me, when we have questions around, well, what is God like? And when there's so much kind of war and, and heartache and violence within the world and kind of what, what is God like when I struggle with my own prayers kind of maybe not being answered and things not turning out quite how I would like. Sometimes we can get kind of little false ideas of, of God who's remote, who's distant, who's far away. And, and yet this idea of temple is the God who's everywhere chose to be in Jesus somewhere. And we see in him what God is truly like. His compassion, his tenderness, his welcome, his acceptance, his forgiveness, challenging injustice, standing up for the poor and the marginalised. Actually, in Jesus, the fullness of God was, was revealed to us. That was the temple. And so as we look at some of the Old Testament ideas of temple, we see that Jesus comes to fulfil it. God, who wants to be related to in Jesus, now we can fully not behind a curtain remotely, but now we can see God face to face. And what's this got to do with the day of Pentecost that we celebrate today? Well, in some ways, there's a kind of movement from the temple in the Old Testament, kind of the place God is everywhere was somewhere, to here is Jesus, the God who is everywhere is somewhere. And then Jesus says to his followers, I'm going to leave you. Jesus, you can't do that. Kind of, how are people going to know what God's like? Because you show it. You reveal what God's like. You need to hang around Jesus so that we can be with you. We can hear more of your teaching. We can see what God's like. He says, actually, no, it's, it's to my advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, another thing's going to happen. Actually, if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. There's going to have been another glory moment. There's going to be another thing that's going to, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And there's going to be a new temple. There's going to be a new place where the God who's everywhere is going to be somewhere. And again, on the day of Pentecost, the God who was somewhere in Jesus could be everywhere because of Pentecost. The God who was somewhere because of Jesus. And, and we did encounter God when we can read those stories and we can understand. Actually, the God that was revealed in Jesus can be now be revealed in another kind of temple. Because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. It says this, doesn't it, um, in, uh, in Acts chapter 2. Um, as we read, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Old Testament, God's presence filled the temple. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead. And now the Holy Spirit comes to fill people who are believers. Actually, people just like you and me. Actually, there's a, a new kind of tabernacle. There's a new kind of temple. Actually, it's because you are now the temple. You are now the place where the God who's everywhere can be somewhere. Paul says this, doesn't he, in Ephesians, that, uh, chapter 2, verse 21. For in, the, in him, 
Jesus, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I mean, isn't that amazing? The Old Testament temple where cloud and glory and so intense that you can't go near it. Here's Jesus and the fullness of God revealed in him, understanding his character, his nature. And now we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, but now we as his church, we're being built together to be a holy temple. God is dwelling amongst us. Actually, the God who's everywhere is somewhere. And as we meet together, and as we do life together, as we form community together, actually, it's where two or three dwellers live together in my name, there am I, in, in the midst of them. Actually, we become a dwelling place where God, the God who's everywhere, is here. Which is one of the reasons why, on Sundays, I love to be at church. Because the God who's everywhere is, is here. In a special way, as we worship, as we hear God's word, as we pray, in a moment too, as we take communion. Actually, the God who's everywhere is here. We're being built together as a temple where can God, where can people in this world find out and know what God's like? Well, they should be able to come into church. It's God's house. Knock on the door. If you want to find Tim Dobson, you come to Jerusalem Avenue, knock on the door, open the door. I'll say, this is my house. This is where I live. This is where you'll find me. Come on in, have a cup of tea. I've just made some, some raspberry jam. It's very good. Early, early bumper crop this year on my raspberry patch. But, but, the house is where you live, it's where you belong. Actually, church is the place where God belongs. It should be the community that we're building, where if people want to, to find out who God is, they should knock on that door of the church, come on in, and they see in our love, in our life, in our worship, in our community. Here is a dwelling place for God. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The image of the temple in the Old Testament, the image of temple in Jesus, and now the image of temple being the church, I think provides us with a challenge. Because I think when people in society think about church, they probably don't think it's a place where they find God. Actually, they probably think it's slightly judgmental, slightly harsh, kind of critical. Um, uh, and, and, and we've got a deal to do, haven't we? To be a, like a, a light that's on a hill that shines, that says, actually, this is what church should be like. We have a duty to be like living stones being built together in community, in love, in respect. Um, the diversity of different cultures and backgrounds and where people come into the living church, they should encounter the presence of the living God. Just the last thing I wanted to say is just this amazing thing, because on the day of Pentecost, anybody who was open to the Holy Spirit was filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, Peter was saying, it's, it's like one of the Old Testament prophecies, kind of in Joel, is that God's going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh. And I think that means on everybody. And God pours out his spirit on everybody. But who does the Holy Spirit go inside? Well, if you're open, the Holy Spirit can fill you. If you're closed, the Holy Spirit can, will just wash off you. 
And I think on the day of Pentecost, people were hungry, were hungry for God, were hungry for his kingdom. And so they were open. And so when the room was, was filled with the rush of wind and, and the fire, actually they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The God who was everywhere suddenly was somewhere. Those prophecies in the Old Testament about taking away a heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh, actually suddenly it happened. They're dashing out onto the streets and they're praising God because the God had chosen to tabernacle, to temple in a new place. And it's in my heart. It's in your heart. Actually, we individually now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, Pentecost, filling you, the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Actually, that's a real challenge, isn't it? How, how does this body be a temple? How do I respect it and look after it and care for it? But, but how does this body, as it moves around within the world, how is it templing? How is it showing people the presence of God? When people see you in, at work or see you on the street or kind of uh, down the shops or at the school gate, do you realise that actually you are, you're going there as a mobile presence of God, tabernacle, temple? You're, you're, you're there and the Holy Spirit is in you. Your body is a temple, and there's something about the compassion and the love of God that we see in Jesus that can be demonstrated through you, not because of your self-will and determination to be a better person, but because you allow the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, to fill you, to baptise you, anoint you to be the temple. And so as we read the Old Testament scriptures and maybe you're doing the Bible in the year or maybe there's times kind of you're looking through the Old Testament and, and rather than now just doing pick and mix, you know pick and mix when you go to the shops and you just kind of, you've got all these sweets and you just take the ones, your favourite ones and fill up your cup. Some people treat the Old Testament like that. I'll just pick out the little bits of the verses that I, lo- I love, that I like, that I remember. But actually maybe now as you look, actually look at some of the things it says about the temple and how does it apply to Jesus? How does it apply to the church? How does it apply to me? So whether it's the exiles feeling, actually, we need to rebuild the temple. What if church life fractures and people are disappointed? Actually, we need to rebuild the church. Actually, what about the the, uh, prophecy of Ezekiel where water is flowing from the temple? Well, actually, part of that is the Holy Spirit flowing from Jesus, the temple. Actually, part of it is an image of how God's Spirit should flow from us as a church. Actually, part of it should be that the water is flowing from us as individuals. And do we understand that the vision and the imagery, and as Jesus says, actually, these scriptures are talking about me, and actually, they apply to you. So, as we come and take communion this morning, I wonder whether we, we know that the God who's everywhere is somewhere, the God who can appear distant and remote, uncaring. Actually, when we look at Jesus, the temple, the God who's everywhere, when he was somewhere, we see his heart of compassion. Actually, as we take the cup and the bread now, and as we remember Jesus, actually we remember that that's the kind of God we're worshipping. A God who is sacrificing, who's loving, who's giving, who's forgiving, gracious, merciful. The God who's everywhere was somewhere on the cross, bringing us new life.
And maybe for us to remember, as you meet in your pastorate or small group this week, as you meet up with friends in a prayer triplet, as, you, as we do church, actually, are we being the temple where we're welcoming the Holy Spirit, where we're welcoming the presence of God, where we're inviting people in to come and find, in the house of God, they come and find God's at home. He's here to bless and to do them good and to forgive them, give them life. And for us as individuals, maybe where there's times where we know that we don't respect our bodies and actually we don't respect the fact that we are his representatives. And maybe as we take communion now, maybe there's a chance for us to, to say, say sorry, say sorry for taking for granted what it means to be a temple of God's Holy Spirit, what it means on the day of Pentecost to receive the Holy Spirit, have him dwelling in us. Let's pray. And as we pray, I just want to pray for people who feel that God is distant or remote, that maybe he is a creator, maybe he is a judge, um, maybe he is a sustainer, but I wouldn't know him as a father or as a friend. Maybe for you as we take communion this morning, maybe even for the first time, if you just say, God, if you are there, if you can be known, this morning I want to know you. I want to find you. Maybe for those of us that um, need to be reminded this morning that the God who's everywhere in the face of Jesus, we see what God is truly like. And although our experiences at the moment and our questions may not match up to that, we'd have faith and trust to say that God revealed in Jesus is the God that we follow. And God, I pray that you'd help us where we fail, where we don't treat our bodies with the respect they, 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 they do, where we just forget that in the places where we're walking, we're taking the very presence of God with us because you're in us. Help us this Pentecost Sunday to know what it is to be filled with you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.